Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. stepping into the most pure form of our identity in Christ. What I want you to do is just kind of find some space by yourself. Just kind of get alone a little bit. I was listening to a sermon a few months ago uh, by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church and he was talking about the story of Jacob and Esau, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but in the story, uh, Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau was born first, and Jacob completely robbed Esau of his birthright, and in those days, that was a huge deal. They were all about their birthright, and one of the things they do is they receive a father's blessing. Um, in this case, it was Isaac, and Jacob went and stole that blessing and everything, and for what I think equals out to be like somewhere around 26 years, Jacob ran from Esau because he was afraid he was going to kill him for stealing his birthright, stealing his father's blessing. And one night, uh, Jacob wrestled with a man all night long. And in the morning, uh, the man dislocated his hip, broke his hip, whatever it was. And when the guy was ready to leave, Jacob said, wait, you have to bless me before you go. And the guy said, well, what's your name? And after 26 years of trying to be Esau, trying to be somebody that he wasn't, he finally said, my name is Jacob. And in that instant, he stepped back into his identity as Jacob in Christ, the person that God created him to be. And he was able to receive his own blessing. And in that message, uh, the pastor said a line that's completely wrecked me. He said, God cannot bless the person that you're trying to be. I can stand here all day long and try to be Ben Evison. I can wear the same clothes. I can get the same glasses, the same car, the same house, everything. But I'm not Ben. I will never be able to receive the blessing that God has for his life, for my own life. And in high school, or all through school, I thought that I had to conform to the way society told me that I should live. I tried sports. I was horrible at them. If any of you have seen me try to play sports, you know that I was horrible at them. Um, I tried marching band. wasn't good at that. And all through school and high school, I could play a little bit of drums. I could strum a few chords on a guitar. And walking through the halls, if I saw one of the popular kids making fun of one of the unpopular kids, I joined in because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And then around my junior year of high school, um, God completely met me and completely wrecked me and said, this is not who I created you to be. I created you to be something far more than this. And when I began to love myself the way that God loves me, not in a selfish way, but in a righteous way, when I began to accept myself for the way that God made me and enjoy the way that God made me, I stepped into my full blessing as Kevin. And in that, when that happened, God just completely downloaded music to me. I never had to take any lessons. 
for drums. I took a couple just to get off the ground. Never had to take guitar lessons. Nothing. God just completely downloaded it to me. And I feel like, I feel like so often we spend so much time wrestling with God, wrestling with who we think that we should be. Whether it's, why don't I have that car, or those nicer clothes, or why don't I look like that person? Or why, why can't I be taller, or shorter, or thinner, or whatever it is? And sometimes God has to break our hips to tell us that, hey, this isn't who you are. I made you so much better, and I made you to be so much more than, than what you're trying to achieve on your own. And when we finally step into that place of loving ourselves for who God created us to be, that's when we can start to to receive the blessing that God has for our lives. Because the blessing that He has is so much better and so much more than a blessing or an improvement or approval that society could ever give us. And I'm a living, living testimony to that. So what I want to do is I just want to have the staff kind of go around and pray for all these kids and just uh, just pray God's true identity, His true calling, His true blessing over their lives. But I think that God really wants to change some hearts tonight. So, as you're sitting there, just spend some time just you and God and just remove the boxes that we've been putting God in for our whole lives. Because when we tear down those walls and let God do what He does, and let God work in our lives and just completely transform everything, it's going to be so much better than where we're at now. So I just want to take a little bit of time to do that before I hand it over to Ben. The staff, we can just go through. And when, when you've been prayed for, just kind of stay in this place of worship, in this place of just seeking God. You guys doing good? Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. One of you? All right. Good. Um, that was so good, huh, Kevin? Yeah! Oh, man. This is something most of you could probably do not know about Kevin. I didn't even know all of this until, like, this weekend. We had just a good powwow talk, and I heard Kevin was, like, part of this, like, traveling, touring worship team that went all over the place, recorded CDs in Nashville, Worked with crazy studio artists and all this awesome stuff. And I was like, I had heard little blips through the time. And I was like, how did that fit? And anyway, so cool, right? But I know he's like celebrity style. Get his autograph afterwards. And he's got a flipping heart of gold because, yeah, you just heard it. Anyway, so we love Kevin. Anyway, but I just, he had shared some of his heart on that um, on Friday with me. And I was just like, Kevin, come do this tonight. So just a release to you guys. I hope you all catch the bits and pieces that these leaders have for each and every one of you for your, for your lives. Cause we've, I know we're old, but we've all been there. Are you with me? Wow. You guys are so quiet. I know. It's like, how do we take you out of ministry time like that and get you loud again? I don't know, but it's so good, right? Firestorm. Good time. Who all was there? Come on, raise your hand. All right. Who all was not there? Just put your hand up. It's okay. No shame. All right. Everybody stretch your hands over to those people. Right? Everybody who was there, stretch your hands and just say, God, we pray that all the truth that we received 
would be supernaturally passed to each of these. So we all got it. Amen. That was easy. Come on, right? There's nothing, to, nothing missed, nothing wasted, nothing lost whatsoever. All right? We really wish you were all there because we love you dearly, but, you know, don't feel like, what, I missed out. Now I'm never coming back. No, please. Like, it's like you've got to be here when you can be, and we understand you all have busy lives. Yes? So we are wrapping up for the last time tonight our heart condition theme. Yes. That's okay. We've got a better theme next month. Even better, I promise. It's going to be amazing. Dylan Krauss is already amped to start it off next week with you guys. So we are on this thing like crazy, but we got plastic, which you know what that always means, right? Anyway, messy, messy, messy. Not quite like you're thinking probably, but I do want to bring some visual aid to this. How many have Bibles with you tonight? On your phones, if you have it right with you, grab it. If not, don't worry about it, okay? Cool. Hey, Derek, stay handy. I need you to bring me some of that other stuff soon, all right? Or Fred or whoever, somebody, I'll need it. But anyway, so um, I was really, like, you guys recall what we talked about two weeks ago? Uh, Yes. I heard the S's all come out of it. It's like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Sex, right? Oh, my gosh, we said it in church, right? Good. We should say it in church because it's the most healthy place to say it because we actually know what it's all about. Are you with me on that? Come on. So I'm not going to go through it all again. It's seriously, oh, this is big news. If you missed it and you want to hear us talk about sex at church, go to the Airborne Youth Podcast. We are podcasting all of our Wednesday nights now. So if you miss one, you can catch it. So the last three are already up. Um, I think you find it through the Life Center webpage, I believe. What? Shoot, I forget. How did Dylan, did Dylan put it on our Facebook? We'll put it on our Facebook at least by tomorrow, if not. But you can't search it yet in iTunes. We have to submit it to iTunes, and then they have to add it to their search database, and all that stuff takes a few weeks. So until then... If you need it, just ask us. We'll get it to you, okay? So you can listen to all the last three times that you missed if you weren't here. Is that great? Okay, awesome. Three followers. Sweet. All right. Anyway, yes. Um, but anyway, we do want to really encourage you guys in the, the condition of where your heart is at every minute of every day because does it truly matter? Yes, absolutely, okay? So we're going to dig into this. Really fun story in the Bible. You guys all know what a parable is? Yeah, what is it? Everybody's like, yes. Crap, don't ask me. What? A really fun story. Okay. So like, the Grinch who stole Christmas is a parable? I don't know. Maybe. A lesson in the form of a story. That's a very good answer. Are you homeschooled? Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. That's awesome. Right? Um, as I, I grew up in a Baptist church, and the way they told us what a parable was is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Right? That's kind of like, really? What is the heck? I still don't know what a parable is after that. Um, I need to get weights on my pages because they always blow around. I can't keep my page. Maybe I just have to hold still. Okay, so where I'm going to read this from is Luke chapter 8, okay? And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. 
Okay, all this stuff's going on. There's all these people. It says, after this, Jesus traveled about, or let's see, about, traveled about from town to town to a village and another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women that had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. That's cool. So Jesus has a crowd of women following him around now that are cured of demons and evil spirits. Cool, right? Mary Magdalene, of whom seven demons had come out. Did you know that? Little tidbit, right? Wow, Mary Magdalene, and she was the first one to see him resurrected. He's got his groupies, his little posse rolling with him, right? So, um, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, which was a big deal. You follow that? The manager of Herod's household's wife was hanging, like following Jesus, because she got healed or something. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So these women were just like, hey, we're just going to come along and like do whatever we can to help you. Like we'll help find places for you to stay. We'll help find food. We just want to totally take care of you guys because you delivered us from demons. You might be like appreciative if that happened to you. You followed? So they're kind of like groupies. Yeah. As Amelia said, that was good. Okay. Um. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from um, town after town, he told this parable, okay? And I want you to track with me because none of you are farmers, right? Anybody 4-H? Couple. All right. Kevin. Kevin's going to track with me real well on this, okay? But I'm going to make this work, okay? You know what, Derek? I want you to go get that big heavy bag over there and open it. All right, here we go. Yeah, get it. Bring it over here. What? Yeah, we're going to farm right here in the, in, the, in the theater. Okay, open it. Open it. And I want you to just pour like a whole line right down the middle on this plastic right here. Quickly. I don't have time to wait. Fred, can you go get the light bag that's over there? Hey, more, like thicker, thicker. Like a... <laughs> There you go. Thicker. There you go. Fill it in nice. Fill it in nice. Okay. Cool. All right. All right, Fred, I want a nice, like, line right here. Really pretty. It doesn't have to be the whole length, but, you know, just a nice line. Whoa, this guy must do construction. Look at that. Woo! All right. Now we're ready. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Give it a round of applause. All right, here we go. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. See, I need more hands. This is crazy. Okay. What? All right, a farmer. I'm, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't know how to do this. What? Okay, a farmer. Yeah, you'd be the farmer, Kevin. He knows what to do. Don't, don't go through them too fast, all right? A farmer went out to sow his seeds, and as he was scattering the seeds, some of them fell along the path, which would be like right here where we're walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? Um, these seeds were trampled on, and the birds came. I need some birds. Emma, Abby, come here. Emma and Abby, come on. Just come. And the birds came along and stole them away. Just find some of the seeds and steal them. 
Emma's, Emma's gonna share with her bird friend when she gets home, I guess. All right. All right. Wow. Verse six. Some fell on the rock. Yeah, yep. Yeah, here we go. Oh, don't do that. That's broken. All right. That's what actually is supposed to happen. You can kind of just kind of remember. Some of them fell on the rocks, right? Um, and when it sprouted up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns. Ooh, where's my thorns? They're over there. Kevin, go grab my thorns. You're going to have to use your imagination. Yeah, you see them. The vines. Right there, those vines. Yes, those vines. You know how hard it is to find... You know how hard it is to find thorns in Pennsylvania in 10 inches of snow? So they go right on top of the pile somewhere here. I don't know. There you go. Yes, those are thorns. Work with me, people. All right? Yeah, you see it. Yeah, because you're a farmer. All right? Some seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with them and choked out the plants. Yeah, can you, can you visualize it now? No. All right, I'm sorry. Um, still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. So that was the whole story Jesus said. Can you just picture the crowd right now going like, crickets, like, okay. The guy who like, he like drove a bunch of demons out of everybody and we hear that he heals people of all their illnesses and we just came to hear him and he tells us how to, like what happens to seeds. Now, all of these people knew about farming. So they were all like, yeah, duh. And, and then he left. <laughs> right? When he said this, he, um, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that was it. Right? So then he says, um, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Okay, they're going to be like, what? I don't know, okay? So he's saying to his disciples, I've given you seeds of the kingdom, like truth of the kingdom, like, and you guys have had time to process this stuff. But for those of you that don't understand, or those people around that don't understand, I got to speak in dumb little stories so they have a a chance of getting it. Does that make sense? So then he says, um, this is the meaning of the parable. And I do think he shares this with the crowd. He doesn't just leave them totally hanging. Because at this point, he's good with that like dramatic pause. And everybody's like, huh? Makes them all think about it. Like, why are we doing this? Right? And then Jesus continues. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Dramatic pause. Yeah, all right. Ooh. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved, okay? So those seeds that fall along the path, these, this is like this ground is representative of people and people's hearts. Does that follow? This is what Jesus is talking about. The path are these people that hear the word of God and we all know them. Some of us have been them at different times. Some of us might be them right now. We've heard truth about God and in some way, because our hearts just aren't prepared or we're not willing to really take it in, the devil comes along and steals all the seeds and says, <laughs> I'm not even going to let them have them. 
because they weren't taken in and weren't received into the soil of our hearts because for whatever reason, our hearts are so hardened to what his truth is when it comes that we just don't want to receive it. Maybe we're stuck in a lifestyle that we don't want to hear the truth of God, so we just, boom, put up the walls. So we're just the path, and the devil goes, yeah, I'm just going to come and take that away so they can never access it again, okay? The next one, he says, the, the seeds that fall upon the rocks are those who take root, they grow. It says that they begin to grow, and when they sprout up, they wither and die because there's no moisture. They've got no root system. Like, you could maybe get some of that cool grass seed. Have you seen that stuff that'll grow on blacktop? Yeah, you've seen it. It's like super seed or whatever they call it, right? You can get that stuff to grow on blacktop, but will it stay there? No, it'll, it'll sprout. It's amazing. It's miraculous. You're like, it's growing grass on my driveway for like a week. But then when the soil runs out of moisture and all the nutrients are gone, it dies, right? So he's saying these are those who spring up really fast. They get a word of God and they're like, I can do this, right? It's called the conference junkie, Right? It's the people that show up to every conference. They're like, I need a word. I know I'm passionate. And, you know, but then like two months later, you see them showing up to the next conference. Like, I need a word. You know, because like, there's like nothing left in them because they're planted in rocky soil. And every time that a, that a trial comes, that the sun comes out and it gets a little bit hot, they're just like, I suck. Right? Okay. You follow? That's seriously, you all can, you've all been there at least once in your life. Yes. We've all got fired up on a really good word on a Wednesday night or a conference or something like that. And two weeks later, we're going, why does God hate me? I've been there a lot. Okay? Are you following me? I've been the rocky soil heart a lot in my life. Okay? I think we've all probably, I've been the hard ground path too. And the devil's stolen truths out of my life that I could have taken in, but I didn't want to hear it. I was just like, forget you. Right? And then the next one is the ones, the seeds that fall among the vines. That's like, yeah, it's good. They start sprouting up and they're growing, but then they go and surround themselves with an environment that sucks for them. Seriously. They go and surround themselves with, with, with people every single day. And I'm not saying like totally push away the world, but I'm saying you get like, oh yeah, you know, you get somebody that's like a total super drug addict. They come to a conference, get totally wrecked. And then the next week, okay. I know a guy specifically who's come here back and forth over the years who's got a major massive drug problem and he gets totally delivered by God, really truly delivered, but goes back with the same crowd of people doing the exact same thing all over again and the thorns, an environment that's harsh and hostile for the little seed plant, chokes it out and just goes like, yeah, right. And they will wither and die, right? Several of us have been in that place before. I'm sure of it. We've walked down that path. We're like, yeah, God, I'm going to take over my school. And, you know, a few weeks later, you're like, this is really hard. I just want to hang out with my friends and do, you know. So you show up at the next party that's going on, and you do what you've always done before. Right? The last one he talks about is this, the, the, the seeds that fall on good soil. Take down roots. And I know this should be, like, much deeper if you're a real farmer. You're going, that wouldn't last long, man. It's a visual aid. Okay. But I'm totally and completely blown away by how Jesus describes this right here. But the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good hearts who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Okay? Good and noble hearts. This is what this represents. And this is 
Jesus Christ in the flesh trying to just give us like a little bit of a human way to grasp and understand the goodness of who he is. It's like those with a noble heart are just like that ground that every farmer knows what's good soil and what's not. You don't plant your corn on the road into the, into the house because it's going to get run over. You, you find the best, darkest, blackest soil and you go, this is good soil. Our hearts are the same way with every word of God we receive because I think we've all heard tons of good teachings. If you were at Firestorm, we just got like, it was like taking a sip out of a fire hose. You're like, <laughs> like just little bits that you can actually get in your mouth and it like almost hurts because it's so much good words, good truth, all that stuff. But if your heart is not held and cared for in a place of good soil that can receive that word, it doesn't have the power to transform the life within you. So there's this cooperation that God is in with you saying, I want you to receive the words. I want, to, I want you to receive the truth. Take it in and, like, and retain it in your heart so that when the trials come and the hard, crazy stuff happens in your life, you're like, no, no, I know the truth. And I know that God gave me this word. I know this is truth. I know what it is. And I can tell the lies from the truth. And I can call out the devil every time he comes at me. But it's sometimes way more attractive to fall on the rocky ground and boop, sprout up. Look at me. I'm a plant. Look at how brilliant and bright I am. But the first time a trial comes and hits your life, you're just like, ah, and you die. I'm serious. We've all felt this reality at some point in our lives, but there's this such, this health and wealth, this reality. You hear guys like Todd White last Wednesday night. How many of you were here for that? Todd White, okay, a guy for, like, he came out of crazy, right? Oh, my word, okay, drugs and alcohol, all the, everything. And 10 years ago, he got radically transformed and saved. A seed was planted in his heart. And he made room in his heart for that word. He cultivated that word. He cherished that word. He waters that word every single day. And it's produced fruit. And how many storms has he had to face in the last 10 years? Oh, my word. Will Hart, if you heard him, okay, takes his wife over into a country where she's going to die, okay? Like, it's, it's very likely. 98% of women that go over there get, like, abused or raped, okay? Takes his wife into the middle of the Congo. You heard the story. You're just like, what? But he knew the word of God and the truth, and he said, there was nothing, there is no lie that is going to sway me from what God has planted and put in my life. I will say yes, absolutely, without question, to everything God puts down in front of me. Guys, this is a reality that you can walk in, but it takes intentionality to say, you know what? You can have rocky soil. You can have, and we all have parts of our heart that have that, but you know what? A bunch of good pressure grinding and pushing on a rocky ground will turn it into nice, soft sand and soil. The right ingredients added into any ground, right? Kevin, you can take a really awful field and make it crazy productive, right? What does it require? Fertilizer, right? And what? And what else? You got to turn the ground and it hurts. You got to break up the hard parts in your life. You can take the craziest of ground. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're just like, yeah, I totally get that. I get that. Every conference I get, woo, look at me. And then a week later I'm Facebooking, this sucks. I'm done with life. Like, okay, it's kind of like, it's like, wait a second, I go back two weeks on your Facebook and you're like, oh, 
to this, that God loves me. And I, you know, like, right? That's totally this, this little strip right here, okay? It's such a big reality. Oh, yeah, that was a good word. Who said that? Was it Todd, Todd White said? He's, he's so tired of hearing Christians say, oh, life's such a roller coaster. It's up and down. And he goes, didn't God say that I will bring the valleys up and the mountains low for you? Right? Oh, man, I wish that was my own original thought, but it's not. But seriously, but those are the kind of words that grab root in your heart, right? If you make room for words like that to say, you know what? No, that's a lie from the devil that my religious or my like spiritual life with God is this roller coaster. And I have highs and I have lows and that's okay. Does that sound like what God put for you? No. He said, I'm going to bring all the glory to your life. Um, there's going to be attacks, there's going to be persecutions, but guess what? They do not have to influence where you are in relationship with the Lord. In fact, it's just like this constant climb. Because good soil, you've seen big redwood trees. Anybody ever been out to like the redwood forest in California? Oh my gosh. Right? Seriously, the redwood trees are like me to Jared Locke in diameter or bigger. They have some of the trees they've cut tunnels through that you drive your car through the bottom of the tree. Like, like serious trees. Is that big? Okay, do you think those trees can handle some wind? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good, right? Seriously, like there's like big storms can come along, huge, huge storms, and it's just like, okay? Because they're planted in soil. They've got roots that go down, and they're not just like, look at me. Okay. Right? Like dandelions are like, I know they're kind of relentless little things, but you know, right? Why is that funny? I don't know either. All right. Okay. But here's where I want to challenge you guys. Okay. I think you get this visual, right? This makes kind of sense where you're at in your heart. So here's the question. A good and noble heart. How do you get that? How do you achieve a good and noble heart? A clean, pure heart. I know noble is not really a word in our culture and in our day anymore. But let's just say a pure heart. If that's what we're talking about all month is our heart condition, the condition of where our heart is and what position, how it's positioned to receive the good news of who God is and what he says over our lives, like what Kevin said tonight about who you are, you have a choice where your heart's gonna be tonight because it isn't like, oh crap, I came in here with a hard heart. I guess that's gonna get stolen. No, you can say right now, God, wrap this thing up in good soft soil so my heart can grow this thing. I need to know who I am, declare who I am, so that I can be released to be who I was really designed to be. Because I think that's another reality we've all dealt with. But I wish I, and I, oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the what we don't have part of us that just gets jealous of everybody we see around us that's got it all. And we start striving to become something that God is going, no, that's not what I'm looking to bless. And we wonder why our life just turns over and over into Sadness and depression. We're like, why am I not happy? Because you're not trying to be you. So how do you achieve or whatever? How do you cultivate a good heart? I have notes. I already know this, but I want to make sure I do this in somewhat of a... I think the key, the absolute key in every part of this for your heart to stay in a place of being clean and pure, because I know we've all messed up. We've all been in all of these categories, okay? And we all repetitively 
hit them at different times in our lives. But we have the opportunity when you can see that there's something in you that's not of God and call yourself to repentance, okay? It sounds like a super evil, awful word. But David goes in the Psalms and says, um, search me and find any unclean way in me, God. He just says, okay, so you got to open your heart to God and say, you know what, God, I'm letting you in. Because we can put up our walls, I'm not letting the words in. It can be the hard path and the enemy will come and take it away. Or we can say, God, no, I'm, I'm inviting you in and I want you to come into my heart and pretty much any time God shows up somewhere, anything that's ungodly freaks out. I'm serious. So when you invite God into your heart genuinely, you just say, God, come and examine my life. You're instantly, you don't need a counselor to tell you what's up in your life. When God shows up in your life, all the crazy stuff that's not of God goes, ah! okay, the demons freak out because they don't know how to handle it. They can't stand the presence of God. And you're able to identify it. And sometimes you're like, I don't know. I have no idea what I need to work on. I think in every one of you, your heart is totally capable of recognizing, ooh, this is it right here. This is the spot. Okay? So opening yourself to who he is. Um, examining your own life. I mean, this is like a duh type thing, right? The Bible tells us that out of the, the meditation of our hearts, the mouth speaks. So look at your own life. How are you interacting with others? How are you treating others? How are you living? What is it that your life exudes? And if you're kind of like, hmm, it's probably a good indicator of what's going on in your heart. And that's the stuff where you can also let God in to do his exam, do some examination on your own heart and just say, where am I not totally giving it to God? Where am I not aligning myself with the identity that he put in me? Okay? Um, And this is the thing. Um, I think we get really caught up on this concept of repentance. And we're kind of like, oh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? We get, it's, it feels like a really heavy and awful word, but um, in, I think it's Romans, Paul writes, God's kindness leads us into repentance. It's not God's wrath that makes us go, oh my God, he's going to strike me dead. I'm so sorry, I repent, right? It's literally realizing, wow, God's good, He loves me like crazy. I need to get this out of the way. I need to get this out of here because God is so kind and he's still coming after me despite what I've got going on in my life, the stuff that's in my heart that shouldn't be. And you just go, God, you're so nice. I want this stuff out of the way. It's his kindness that calls us into repentance. It's not our fear of getting caught. And that's a good indicator in your own heart of where you're at is is the only time you want to clean house the moment you get caught in something or can you clean house way before and say God let's clean this thing out because I don't you know because it's like are you really sorry when you get caught or are you just sorry you got caught you know what I mean there's that definitely definite reality in that Um, so I would say repentance as a definition guys is to think differently I know it's kind of a big religious word but it's essentially to think differently. If you can identify something in your life that's not of God, then there's something the enemy has gotten in and convinced you of that's incorrect. So it's time to think about that differently. That's all that repentance means. I know some people are like, it's turn 180 degrees or go the other way. Or just think differently about that reality in your life. Think differently about, okay, I know that something in me is I really suck at being proud of who God made me to be. Maybe it's time to start thinking differently about 
who you are and your identity like Kevin talked about and say, you know what? No, God made me beautiful, awesome, amazing, talented, gifted in every way and standing in that place. So I think, yeah, on all of that. And then the last part of that is you really have to transfer things from what you know to what you believe. And this has probably been one of the hardest struggles for me in my Christian life because I'm really like kind of thinky, brainy type person. I love to read theology books and understand. And I came from a background that's very theological based. And, but really transferring something from what you know to really believing it with your entire life because it changes everything, okay? You absolutely know a lot of things. Most of you have been in church your entire life, so you know a lot. You know all the Bible stories. You know all this. But when you move your, all of that affection and attention and agreement, if you will, from your brain and just going, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that because I'm guilty. That's it. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But believing is what actually transfers the condition of your heart into a place that says, God, this soil is rich for absolutely everything. I believe what you say. I take in that, that seed and I plant it deep inside my heart and I'm going to water it. I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to believe that this is true and watch it change the way that my life lives. So what's the condition of your heart tonight, right where you're at? Close your eyes. Just do this. We'll make it simple this way. Just take inventory. This is not the shame game and the, you know, like I'm not here to bring all kinds of condemnation on anybody. It's like this is an opportunity. Because God's kindness is what calls us into repentance. To find those places in our lives that are just like not aligning with what God has designed for our lives. And if you need enough evidence that God has a good plan for your life, talk to some people that have been around him for a while. And go, has God really got a good plan for my life? And you'll hear it. And when you begin to go from knowing that God has a good plan for your life to believing that God has a good plan for your life and trusting him with it, your heart begins to just go, okay, God, anything you see in me. That's the condition of David's heart was, examine me, God. He exposed his heart to God willingly and said, God, I want you to look deep inside of me, find anything that doesn't agree with you, rip it out, stomp it on the ground, finish it today because I don't ever want it to be in me again. And guys, this is like a daily exercise. This isn't a Wednesday night youth group thing to do like, okay, now I feel better, okay? It's a daily exercise of going, God, examine my heart. I want to be after you. And if there's anything blocking this relationship, if there's anything getting in the way, I want you to find it. I want you to show me and I want to deal with it. One of the most powerful keys in this process as you do this is it's one thing to identify it in your own heart and then try to manage it on your own. But it's a whole nother level when you can draw someone in around you, a friend, someone you trust, a youth leader, whatever, and say, you know what? This is something that I'm really wrestling with. Will you pray and agree with me? Will you check me on this? Not for the sake of accountability partners, not for the sake of, okay, yeah, I'm covered but because you really need somebody else to agree, to get in your face, to slap you upside the head when you're out of line. We all need those people that because they love us will get in our face and tell us, 
That was way out of line. It takes vulnerability, but it is the place that we go with God. If we say, God, look at my heart. What's going on in here? We should be able to do the same thing to a friend we trust and say, look at my heart. What do you see in here that isn't lining up with who I'm meant to be? And the only way to expose the lies of the enemy that are in you and to think differently about it is to find out the truth about that situation. Best place to find it, in God's word. Every deal that you could possibly wrestle with in your entire life is contained in that book. Every single struggle and every battle is addressed, I promise. And there's truth in there for every part of our lives. So seek it out and then get on your face before God and say, speak. I need revelation. I need your Holy Spirit to reveal it. And the last thing to do is to trust the Holy Spirit to fill that part of your life. Say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to come and replace the areas in my life that I'm filled with other crap that's not like you. And if I want to really be like you, I need to get all the un-God stuff out and get the fullness of God in. I just want to pray for you guys and then we'll be totally wrapped. Ephesians 3, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's so key. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's possible, guys. So stand with me. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.